The men are going through, we're talking about courage. I don't know if Bjorn is here. Bjorn, this might be the most courageous thing I've ever done. If you're single, if you're single, uh, don't tune out this morning. Um, maybe you've been married for a long time, but your spouse has, left, has gone to be with the Lord, and uh, you find yourself single again. Uh, you had many wonderful years. Well, I want you to pray for the marriages in this church. Maybe you are single and you've never been married, but you're hoping to be one day. Well, listen carefully, because this is what you're getting into. The more I prayed about what to say, the more it became clear that I should try and tackle this tough, st- this tough subject. So let's begin with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, guide our time today. I ask that you speak to each person here today. You designed marriage to bring you glory. Help us in our marriages to follow the pattern you set forth in your word. And I thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here goes. Some kids were asked their thoughts on marriage, and here's what they had to say. When asked, how can you tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, says, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. (laughs) Eddie, Eddie, age six, says, Married people usually look happy to talk to other people. How do you decide who to marry? Kristen, age 10, says, No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before. And you have to wait and find out later who you're stuck with. Alan, age 10, says, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like that you like sports. And she should keep the chips and dip coming. (laughs) And how do you make marriage work? Ricky, age 10, says, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. Roger, age eight, says, don't forget your wife's name. That will really mess up the love. And Randy, age eight, says, be a good kisser. 
It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. (laughs) Wise words. In the world today, marriage is under attack. The biblical view of marriage is being replaced by the devil's view that says anything goes, and if it doesn't work, then scrap it and start over. There's a spiritual battle raging, and marriages are suffering the battle scars. God designed it to be a beautiful, God-glorifying union, but the curse of sin and the devil's lies have left casualties strewn across the landscape. Some sitting here today have felt the pain firsthand. And some here today are in the middle of the battle, trying to hold on. There is help if you're willing to fight for it. And we need to start fighting for our marriages. And it needs to start here, and it needs to start today. Well, where do we go to find the keys to a successful marriage? I know this sounds simplistic, but the best place to go is to the designer. God designed it, and he knows how to make it work. But just reading the Bible won't cut it. You have to put it into practice. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he says in verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. If you want to lose weight, you can read all the diet books and all the nutrition information out there, but we all know that it basically comes down to diet and exercise. And so you can sit on the couch and eat junk food all day long. You're going to get fat. The same is true for God's principles of healthy marriages. If you don't put them into practice, your marriage will suffer. I tell my son Eli that there's a principle found in the Bible that says obedience leads to blessing and disobedience leads to disaster. And if he would just do what he's told, things would go well for him. In fact, the fifth commandment gives him that promise. Well, if we would just do what we're told, our marriages would be in a lot better shape. Today we're going to look at what God has to say to husbands and wives. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to start reading in verse 22. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, which his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's our text for today, but I want to back up just a few verses to verse 18, because everything that follows is connected to verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says that we are to be filled with the Spirit. If we are not striving to be Spirit-filled people, then we will have great difficulty accomplishing anything God wants us to. That includes having a successful marriage. But Paul is not speaking here of the Holy Spirit's indwelling or the baptism by Christ of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is indwelt and baptized by the Spirit at the point of salvation. But Paul here is giving us a command to live continually under the influence of the Spirit. And that should be our goal, whether we're married or single. In verse 21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Greek word there for submit is hupotasso. Hupo means under, and tasso means to place or to arrange. And so the word means to place under. And we're all told to do this. All of us at times need to submit to someone else. And Paul declares that every spirit-filled Christian is to be a humble, submissive Christian. No believer is superior to any other believer. In their standing before God, all are equal in every way. And the believer's reverence for God is the basis for their submission to other believers. And so submitting to one another and being filled with the Spirit form the overall foundation for a healthy marriage and ultimately a healthy, God-honoring life. Let me say that again. Submitting to one another, being filled with the Spirit form the overall foundation for a healthy marriage. Well, it's a word, a word for the wives. I only start with the wives because the text starts with the wives. But don't worry, ladies. The husbands are going to have their turn as well. In verse 22, again, look there with me. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to the Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. That same Greek word, hupotasso, is used here as well. 
And so Paul is saying to the wives to place yourself under the authority of your husband. Not every man. The only one you're responsible to is your own husband. And the submission is not for husbands to command or demand, but it is for the wife to willingly and lovingly offer. Many men have used this verse to control their wives. That's a completely false way of interpreting it. Next it says, as to the Lord. First and foremost, the wife is to submit to the Lord. And as an act of obedience to the Lord, she willingly submits to her husband, regardless of his personal worthiness or his spiritual condition. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 say this, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your act of submission has a tremendous impact on your husband, even so far as to win him over if he's an unbeliever. Or maybe win him back if he's a wayward believer. In Colossians 3.18, Paul says something very similar, but he adds a little phrase, as is fitting to the Lord. So wives should submit to their husbands as long as it doesn't cause them to do something that would be sinful. If your husband asks you or wants you to go against God then you don't need to submit to him in that. And Paul gives the reason why wives should submit. And that is because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Not that the husband is superior to the wife. We've already seen that all are equal in Christ. But God has made the husband responsible for the wife. And so just as the church submits to the to Christ, the wife should see the husband in that place of responsibility and then submit to him. Submission is designed by God to be a good thing. But the curse of sin and the devil's lies have twisted it and caused many women to cringe at the sound of the word. But if we will do it God's way, there will be blessing. Now Paul moves to the husbands. And he gives a command to us husbands, to you and I. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How is a husband to love his wife? Just as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. He gave his life. And so first and foremost, love, our love for our wives 
is a sacrificial love. The word for love here is agape. It's a love of the will. It doesn't say husbands rule over your wives. It doesn't say husbands dominate your wife. It says love them. Determine to love them, no matter what. That is agape kind of love. The spirit-filled husband loves his wife not for what she can do for him, but what, for what he can do for her. And you may be sitting there saying, you don't know my wife. You don't know how she just drives me nuts. You're right. I don't. But there's no clause, no footnote for verse 25 that says husbands love your wives only when it's easy or only when it suits our needs. It says love them. Period. Agape love is not an easy kind of love. But it is what our king calls us to do. If we want our marriages to be God-glorifying, then it is what we have to do. And maybe you're thinking, that's too hard. You're right. It is hard. And that's why we need the Spirit's help. Back to verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. Continually place yourself under the influence of the Spirit. And that's the only way. That's the only way you and I can do this. Not only is it a sacrificial love, it's also a purifying love. Look at verse 26. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. MacArthur describes it this way, since divine love seeks to completely cleanse those who are loved from every form of sin and evil, a Christian husband should not be able to bear the thought of anything sinful in the life of his wife. His greatest desire for her should be that she become completely conformed to Christ. And so he leads her towards purity. You and I need to wash our wives with the Word of God. Not only do we need to grow spiritually, but we need to make it possible for our wives to grow spiritually. Do you encourage your wife towards deeper spiritual growth? Do you pray for her on a regular basis? Are you helping her to be filled with the Spirit? Just as Christ guides the church, husbands... We need to guide our wives. So it's a sacrificial love. It's a purifying love. It's also a caring love. 
second part of verse 28 and following says, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. We need to care for our wives. We need to be the providers. We need to be her protector. If there's a bump in the middle of the night and she wakes up scared, guess who's getting out of bed? You and I. There was a night at our house when a bat got in. And I woke up to it flying past my head. Don't know if you've ever had that experience. Wouldn't recommend it. But as as startled as I was, I calmly told Nancy, not wanting to scare her, that there was a bat in the house. She immediately threw the blankets over her head, kicked me out of bed with the charge, kill it. So, two in the morning, I'm trying to kill the bat. Not an easy task. We, we are our wife's protector. We need to be her knight in shining armor. We need to make sure that her needs are met. As a man, you make sure that you're, you're taken care of. You have clothes on your back, food to eat, a home to live in. In the same way, you need to take care of your wife's physical needs. It would not be normal for you to hate your own body. And so it's not normal to not provide for your wife. So it's a sacrificial love. It's a purifying love. And it's a caring love. But it's also an unbreakable love. Verse 31 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And that's the way God designed it. The union between a husband and a wife takes two individuals and makes them one. You are no longer two. You are one. At your wedding, you made a commitment before God that you would love your wife until death. You entered into a covenant with your wife before God. And God takes covenants very seriously. It was designed by God to be an unbreakable union. And that's how we need to think about it. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And there should be nothing that can separate our wives from our love. Are you going to be a man of your word and honor that commitment? The only grounds that Christ gives for divorce is marital unfaithfulness, Matthew chapter 19. But even then, I believe 
that there can be forgiveness, no matter who's at fault. Just as, just as Christ forgives us when we sin against Him. And even though He gives those grounds, I don't believe that He would suggest we go through with it. I'm not saying it would be easy to forgive unfaithfulness, but I know it is possible. And the motive for all of this is that marriage is sacred. Verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. What is a mystery? In the New Testament, a mystery is new revelation. Something hidden in the Old Testament that is now revealed in the New Testament. And the mystery is this, that marriage should follow the pattern of Christ's relationship with the church. Let me say that again. The mystery is that marriage should follow the pattern of Christ's relationship with the church. Because God uses marriage, the marriage relationship, to show the world how Christ relates to His church He has a very, very high view of marriage. Marriage is a visible expression of how Christ loves His church. And so it is very important to Him. If we follow the patterns our Lord laid out, then our marriages will be all that they ought to be. If we are being spirit-filled, then we will be able to follow Christ's example. And we will be able to love our wives. And she, in turn, will see that love and respond with willing submission. And our marriage will bring glory to God. Husbands, we have a very big job ahead of us. Wives, take it easy on us. We're still trying to figure it all out. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for marriage. I thank you for my marriage to Nancy. What a blessing it is. Lord, you said all the way back in Genesis that it's not good for a man to be alone. And so you provided a helper for us. Someone to come alongside of us. Someone for us to love. I thank you for my wife. Lord, help me, help the rest of the husbands here today to love our wives. Love our wives in a sacrificial, purifying, caring, unbreakable way. Lord, I know it hurts your heart to see the marriages disintegrate. I know it brings you sadness. And so, Lord, I pray that each husband here today will recommit themselves to loving their wives just as you love the church. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, for the task. In Jesus' name, amen.